welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home, your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. What a coincidence because I just had a gentleman step into the uh, to the manor. <laughs> My hubs is here. What a surprise. Better watch your tone. Your tone's all wrong. <laughs> you stab me in the face with sorry iron. We have uh, Noah from Blue Collar BS joining us because uh, we don't enjoy a lot of movies together because, like I said, many a times he just puts on whatever and that's what's going on. Because you wouldn't recognize class if you saw it. He and Yes, and the Reverend is fully aware of that. He's 100%. <laughs> he knows what's up. Um, and the Hubs and I actually watch these together. Now, sometimes he cheated on me and would watch ahead, but then he would also come back and then we'd watch it together. So Yeah, but your version of watching a you movie shut the hell up. is putting it on, then two seconds later falling asleep. Okay. Why well, you got to bring up old <laughs> shit? That, that's your version of watching <laughs> movies. But I did watch this. We are, like, to be clear, I did watch the series. That's <laughs> loose with that. Reverend, why don't you get into introducing The Haunting of Hill House? All right. I, I want to start this out by reading. This was in the original movie, but it's also uh, Stephen, the character who plays Stephen Crane, starts out the, the Netflix show by reading. This is directly from uh, Shirley Jackson's novel, and I just I love the wording of this. I love how she phrases this. Hill House, not saying, stood by itself against its hills, holding darkness within. It has stood for 80 years and might stand 80 more. Within walls continued upright. Bricks met neatly. Floors were firm. Um, and doors were sensibly shut. Silence lay steadily against the wood and stone of Hill House, and whatever walked there walked alone. I love that. I get chills like just hearing that, especially the way they read it in the new Netflix series. Yes. Yeah, so that was, wait, was that from the original or was that from? That was directly from they, the book. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, because in the, in, they, they uh, I th- oh, maybe it was the second film, the second film, and maybe they did this intentionally. They said uh, the house stood, stood has stood for 90 years and will probably stand 90 more. So they said 90 instead of 80. So I was like, what? And I, I think if they didn't say it at the beginning of the old movie, I think that whenever Eleanor uh, in her, like in the prologue to the, the old movie, she says something similar about walking alone. They, they work it in there, you know, oh, yeah. it's just, it's, it's good prose. Like it's just uh, the way she worded that was awesome. Um, but we're talking about the haunting of Hill house, the 2018 Netflix series um, directed by Mike Flanagan. Uh, principal players we have in this is, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, uh, Mitchell, Michael, Michael. Mikhail. Uh, 
uh, Mikael, uh, who plays Stephen Crane. <clears throat> he played in Game of Thrones. Was one of the things that he, you know, was in for quite a while actually before he did this. Uh, we have Elizabeth Reeser, who plays Shirley Crane. She was in Ouija, Origin of Evil, uh, Nightmare Cinema, and she's got a 2022 20, uh, film, uh, horror film coming out called Dark Harvest. Mm, okay. We have uh, Katie what? Siegel, who oh. plays, uh, who's also the wife of, of Mike Flanagan, and a lot of people are kind of getting, you know, on Mike Flanagan's case because it's, you know, just going out there, you know, the whole Rob Zombie, Sherry Moon Zombie, like she's always, like, well, she's always in his stuff. Like, okay, but, but she's hot and she's a good actress. And she's a good actress. Yes. Yeah, what, what, that. What's so her Katie name? Siegel, you can be in Katie everything Siegel. Mike Flanagan makes. You're great. Yeah, her name's uh, Katie Siegel. Uh, she's playing uh, Theodora Theo Crane, and she was in Oculus. Uh, Ouija origin of evil. You're going to start noticing there's a pattern here. These people, they, mm. they, they're, I think these are all Mike Flanagan movies and they stick together. They must be. Uh, she was in, she was in Gerald's game. The, the, the one that Mike Flanagan made obviously. Uh, and then, uh, the haunting of Bly Manor, another Flanagan and then midnight mass, which is Flanagan's newest, uh, you know, work that he had. Yeah. That was actually <clears throat> hella good. I have not watched. That. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's amazing. Uh, we have uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who plays Luke Crane. Uh, he's in The Haunting of a Bly Manor. Uh, he was in The New Invisible Man, the 2020 version. And he was in the 20, it was a very recent, 2016, something like that, The Raven. He was in that. Uh, we have Victoria Pedretti, uh, who plays Eleanor Nell Crane. Uh, she's in the new Netflix series, You. Uh, she plays in the second and third series, uh, or seasons of that. And then she was also in The Haunting of Bly Manor. <clears throat> does she play the Thomas. wife? Hold on. Go does ahead. she play the wife uh, to the main character in you? Uh, yes. Ah, uh, I thought I saw that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and she's. I got to say this about her real quick. Like, she is probably one of the best actresses at crying that I've ever seen in my oh, life. Yeah. Like, she does it a lot in. I mean, in this obviously, but she does it in you, and like you always believe her. Like, she's really good at like just. I mean, the crying. I mean, like, I, I know actors and actresses have to be good at that sort of stuff. Like, she really pulls it off every time. Like, you you know, you get the sense that she's feeling it somehow whenever she's bringing it about. Yeah, and she's not an ugly um, crier either. No, she's not. It's it's you, It's you. more of a sorrowful look every time she does it. I've seen better. Um, you have <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Jesse Smollett. He has pretty good abilities. <gasps> Those are crocodile tears. <laughs> Um, you have Henry Thomas playing young Hugh Crane, um, who's the father in this. Funny thing, he played uh, Elliot in E.T., another Steven Spielberg connection going oh back to the whole Poltergeist thing. You know? Yeah, that's <laughs> going way back, too. Um, and he was in Ouija, Origin of Evil, yeah. again, Mid Midnight Mass, Haunting of Blind Manor, Gerald's Game, Dr. Sleep, Mike Flanagan's movie that's the sequel to uh, The Shining. And uh, he was in Psycho 4, which is interesting. Um, right. We have Carla Gugino, who plays Olivia Crane, uh, who's a mother, and she's the, uh, kind of a psychic, is the way they develop in the show. Psychic she was and in psycho. <laughs> What's that? I said psychic and psycho. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, she was in Gerald's Game, Haunting a Blind Manor, Midnight Mass, and also in a in, in this uh, kind of a horror-based TV show called Wayward Pines. Novels are pretty good. I didn't like the TV show. Okay. Uh, Timoth Timothy Hutton, who plays the older Hugh Crane, who's the, it was in the dark half no. with Julie Harris from the original 
uh, Lahani, which oh, I think is an interesting connection. Yep. See, they did an awesome <laughs> job at lining him up for his for an older age uh, double of them. Oh yeah. That, oh, he looks he looks just like the the, the guy who played or it was Elliot. I mean, like the, the I mean the the eyes even look the same. The way that you know it's 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 good. It's I, a really good like older version of somebody. Oh, that, that yeah, that yeah. was a good call. I they, questioned they whether it. or not they took the young version and just made him look older, and I was like, nope, that's a whole different fucking person. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was, I mean, especially since I've rewatched it now, like three times, like just going back and rewatching this last time, I literally benched it before, right before we started recording this. And I was just amazed. I was like looking at him. I like, even those scenes, like at the very last where it's got both the young actor and the the older one together in like the same scene that they, it holds up. They look alike. 100. Um, Yeah. He was also in Secret Window, which is another Stephen King movie, Ooh. and we've already talked about Stephen King and his connection with Spielberg and all that. Yeah, that, that's such um, a good movie. I, I, a lot of people did not like the Secret Window. I liked it. I, something about when a horror movie ends on a dark note, like with the the bad guy gets a upper advantage. Man, that's always a good ending. <laughs> it's it, yeah especially in that one if i remember right because i mean it, it's like you know he doesn't get his comeuppance at all it's just kind of like you know i got, got away with it so you yeah. know as he sits as he sits there eating his corn yeah, yeah that's the corn that was the thing i remember that yeah that's so how, that's how you that's grow the, the, corn. the main people that i want to bring up and you know the principal players we can just get right into it as far as like the the discussion of it i mean you know how, what what's what was something that stood out for you all, like, you know, with the series? Like, if you want to get into it that way. You want to go first, babe? You want pros or you want cons? Pros first. Okay. Uh, go the pros first. It had a lot of good buildup. It had a lot of good buildup. There's a, a, a good thing to any horror movie is questioning. You, you have to have a lot of open-ended questions that eventually get filled. <coughs> and they did a good job of leaving all these unanswered questions for big chunks of it. And that's what you want. You want that buildup that just keep piling and piling up. And that that's always a huge marker for any type of horror movie. It needs to be a, a good amount of buildup, but it needs you feed you enough, enough of the, the prem, the premise, the premises and different scare points where it can keep feeding you into actually wanting to watch it. it it's like a, it's a weird game. You got to play. You got to give just enough on all these different things to make it interesting. Because there's plenty of stuff you watch that are shows that don't do that, and you just get you know, like it's almost hard to power through it because it's not interesting. Yeah, I would say that's the biggest. Uh, that that must be a Mike Flanagan thing because like he does that expertly in that Midnight Mass. It's like yes. there's just barely any horror to begin with, and you're and he's focusing on the people first so that you get. You get the attachments before you ever get to the, you know, the actual drama and conflict that, you know, starts causing the, the you know, the, the, the and, you know, all the conflicts and, and the, you know, breaking up between, you know, different factions and all that. He, he sets the stage first. Yeah, but it's critical because sometimes you can't get into character development if there's not enough of that, that fear by watching it, like, rooted into it. You need that part of it to land. So th- th- it's hard to get character development because people won't get interested if it's just nothing but straight character development, that just feels flat. Yeah, because at first, I the character development was kind of throwing me off. You guys know how I am. I'm like, okay, this is this is getting a little long winded for me. But then it was the storylines were interesting, and then they trickled in just enough fear to be like, what the fuck, you know? And then I'm like, okay, I have to keep watching this. It kept me interested, and not only that, they tied in the character development, horror, 
and true emotion to where you feel for them. And I don't normally get that out of anything horror related. I would, I mean, I would argue that for sure. I mean, especially among, uh, like I, I kind of discussed off air with you, some of the, the interactions in this, this movie are like hundred percent, like they just feel real. Like the, the whole funeral scene when they get to the, they get all the characters, you know, well, ex- except for Nell, uh, she's there, but yeah, body, but like they get them all there and they start, you know, like the interplay between all of them, like the, all the, the past, you know, like tensions that, that never got addressed and they start like bringing them out. It, it just, and how, you know, how they're sitting there and they're telling stories about Nell and, you know, that's where, their way of kind of getting through the grieving process to kind of remember her and all that. It, it, real like 100 percent, like that is how like a funeral goes like you've got the, the family dramas that never resolved and everybody's come back and they you know they don't want to have to deal with it but there they are and you know you're you know but then you've got i mean but you've also got the grief and you're trying to work through that be you know trying to honor the the dead if they were you know if assuming that there was, was any drama there with a dead person, you know, which in this case there wasn't because everybody, Nell was kind of the glue for the family. Hey, um, you know, she was there in spirit, okay? Literally. <laughs> you know what gets me? Was. What gets me with that funeral scene, like near the end of it, when everything starts to, like, spiral out of control a little bit? I, I think that whole scene was shot in one in one shoot, the way it looked, where, where it was panning around. I always find mm-hmm. it interesting when they're able to get off a full shoot Without doing any cuts at all, and it's it's seamless. Like uh, I'm trying I'm trying to think of that that war movie. They did the whole thing in a single shoot. That anytime you can pull that off, it looks awesome. Yeah, I think they did that. Like the, one of the first ones that I remember that stood out that they were kind of commenting about was the Children of Man. There was a sequence where he's driving down the road and he's getting attacked while he's trying to drive, and it's just big one big long shot. Like I mean that they you know. They, they said it was continuous. I, they probably had to break here and there to kind of reset up, but they, they kept it as continuous. It's, and it's odd watching it because it's, I mean, you don't have the traditional fade in, fade outs. It makes it more realistic that way. Yeah, it's like you, there's you don't, no, it's you no don't have cuts. Cutaways. Yeah, the thing when you have no cuts. See, I always find that would be interesting if you can pull off a horror movie where there's no cuts and it's, it's a seamless shot because you never get that real break of tension. It's, it's just always constantly push, 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 push. You know, what was really interesting for me was how the stories kind of bounced back and forth a little bit because you had to get a little bit more of the development and then you had to go back to see another character's development. And then it kind of tied into the one you just saw and then you saw another character's and then it goes back and it and I'm like, I'm going to lose my place. This isn't going to work for me. That's not how my brain works. My brain bounces all over the place enough already. And they did such a good job of tying everything in. Um, Also. Some of the things, and I don't know if you noticed this, Reverend, but obviously watching the two films, there was a few things, and this is just probably a small amount in comparison to what they had in each of the films plus the Netflix series, but they had obviously the garden room with the statues. That was a big thing. That Mm -hmm. was in each film and the Netflix series, which I think the Netflix series was really gorgeous. Um, They had the cold spots. Every single one of them had a cold spot that they made sure to point out. Yes, they um, all had the Welcome Home Eleanor. They yes, all had Welcome Home Eleanor. It. Yeah, I actually forgot to put that on my list. Um, the now characters, how, okay, obviously the two movies, they looked strikingly similar. However, the third one, obviously she's a little bit more gorgeous, but she's also still more of the plain looking compared to the other sisters. 
especially versus Theodora, which I thought was an interesting, you know, Katie Seagal, they worked in the whole bohemian, like she's, you know, going out there, like, you know, nightly partying and all that. But then they worked it in. The reason she's doing that, they worked in the old version. She's actually a psychic by touch. And that's the reason that she doesn't ever make, you know, permanent connections with anybody because she's afraid to touch anybody because of her saying. And so they worked in both the Catherine Zeta Jones, like hot, you know, party type yeah. with the, the, you know, the psychic from the, the original, uh, movie and it, and it just worked out in one character. Uh, they had the dancing, the the girls dancing by themselves. Now I don't remember that so much in the second one, but I definitely saw it in the first one. It was identical to what you see in the Netflix series, where you see Nell dancing by herself. They had repeated scenes uh, uh, imitating the scene where Eleanor and Theodora in both versions of the movies is in a room, although in this version it's Cheryl and Theo, uh, you know, getting, you know, uh, terrorized by some knocking, yes. you know, on the walls or whatever, because it didn't just happen when they were a kid. It was also when Cheryl and Theo were older and they were in the uh, funeral home and there was the trick-or-treater that, that oh, uh, yeah. Cheryl could never find. It was a, re- it was a re- repeat. It was a cycle. It was happening again to them. I see. I didn't even think about that. And then, of course, um, well, two more things that I noticed. They had the stairwell on the balcony, the little spiraling stairwell. Each one had that. And then the voices in the head talking to them and kind of, I don't know, just them questioning themselves or even, I don't know, whispers of anything, which was pretty cool. Um, I think the benefit that Netflix had when they made theirs was they had the best of both films, if you could say you really got anything great from the second film. The second film, like I said, you got more scenery and more horror versus the film, the the first film, you got a lot of storytelling, a lot of basically storyline in general. Netflix had both of that. It's like they took the two films, the greatest of both the films, and they said, here's the best storyline related to the book as closely as possible, and here's some fucking horror to help tie that shit in. Here's something that I didn't realize. They the, the the couple of stars. I don't know if you remember that scene. That's when uh, yeah. Eleanor finds like the tea set. Yes. And there's the couple of stars, and she's talking to Miss Dudley. Uh, that's actually in the novel because there's a line that says, uh, "Don't do it," Eleanor uh, told the little girl because Eleanor in the novel is talking to a little girl. She sees it like a uh, like a little uh, cafe before she ever makes it to Hill House. Yeah. And she says, uh, "Don't do it. Uh, insist on couple of stars. Once they have tra- trapped you into being like everyone." else you will see your cup uh, you will never see your cup of stars again don't do it and that's almost exactly what miss dudley tells eleanor whenever she gets her cup of stars so they work that little element in from the book it's a different setting it's not eleanor telling it to another little girl but it's eleanor being told as a little girl from mrs dudley yeah yeah that was um, this fucking show i mean my I, we asked we asked you know what are some of the best things that you remember but was there something in general noah that you're like something you didn't like about the series uh, there's a lot of cons. There's like a lot that. of cons? Oh, what? okay. I, I'm not good. <laughs> well, when it comes to the series, I'm not going to have a lot of cons, but I might agree. Uh, what What did you notice? I, well, I'll, well I'll, I'll talk about them as we go on. Okay. I don't want to do spoilers. I, I want to I say something first that I know is a pro and a con. I want to say it first, and you've already mentioned it, but I want to you know highlight a little bit. The uh, non-chronological 
way that they told the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, they told it kind of in, and in, in, it's, well, I don't know, it, it bounced back and forth. There's a lot of people that complain about that. I, I yeah. agree. I agree completely that what you said, that it helps to me, it, it helps work, build the characters up while also having the drama, like Noah was saying, to keep you interested because they bounce back and they can show the scary stuff when they were kids and then show how their like mental health is as adults because they work that aspect into it really well. Um, they, they, they can show both in the same episode and give you the drama you're, you know, that they want to build up at the same time of giving you the scares and to keep you interested. But some people really hate that because they couldn't, like you were saying, Urana, where they were like, I don't know when is this, when, what's happening? When, when did this happen? It, it's like nails back alive. And now it's, you know, her wedding. What, what the fuck am I watching right now? You know, see, like they couldn't keep up. I don't, and I, I don't... see that as being both a pro and a con. I don't mind that much of it, like when it jumps around. But the problem I have is when you find out what the twist is, then it kind of deflates how this, how scary the storyline is. That's the problem. There's not the punch behind it. it. The twist reveals that there is no punch that's actually scary. That was my problem with it is if, if you're going to do that chronological event, like a prime example is Pulp Fiction. There's a huge punch that, that validates the, the crazy storyline. But this doesn't get that. This gives you all these, like, unable to determine. But then once you get the punchline, you're like, oh, this is, it's not that scary now. That's the problem. Are, we, like, talking about, are like, we talking about the twist of the bent neck lady? Is that what we're talking yes, about in particular? Yes. Or? And, and just, um, and, and the ghost in general. I found that horrifying. Because that was, uh, like, cause I okay, I don't know if she knew that was her every time she saw it, because she never said it. So I don't know, because it always looked like a shadow of a bent neck lady. What? And That's I what I was going to bring up. The, the bent neck lady is a shadow until they reveal the fact that Nell is the bent neck lady, and then they start showing the bent neck lady with her face at that point. They, yes. they do a good twist that way. You never see her up until that point. She's always... You know, just this dark figure, and then when you see her face, then you know that when they show her face, it's because they, we already know it's nail, and they they start revealing it in that sense. Yeah, yeah. And but the but the on, problem with on, that, oh, go ahead. All I was going to say is, uh, I mean, when it regards to you know the haunted homes and haunted hearts that I you know called this season, this series in particular and the haunting in general is what made me think of that because i mean you know we have in the original movie uh eleanor is like you know this is probably more haunted in her own personal sense because of her guilt over you know her mother and how she kind of hated her uh, even if she was taking care of her because you know there's that whole thing with caretakers and, and they they get to be burnt out and the resentment of the people they're taking care of you've got eleanor who's dealing with that in the original and she and, and she's kind of and that guilt kind of, you know, plays with her mind. And I feel like in this series or in the Netflix series, it kind of goes a little bit further in saying that uh, Nell has been basically haunting herself her entire life. I don't know, you know, you could probably take that out there and, you know, make some kind of meta comment about it. But that's, I mean, she is her own, like she's haunting herself. And that, that I think there's something to that because, I mean, really, a lot of people are. I mean, like the, the grief and the, you know, the anger and resentment and all that, that they're holding themselves, the, the ghosts that they're creating or the, their own, their mind's creating for them, basically. They're yeah. holding on to it. And that's where it can get, like, terrifying, but not in the sense of this is, like, a horror-type film terrifying. It was more terrifying as in you could see that when it was revealed that now was the bent neck, neck eh, I can't word right now, bent neck lady, that 
she had to go through a series of realizing that every time, right before she died, she had to realize that every time she saw the bent neck lady, it was her. And that was the last thing she witnessed in her mind before she fucking died, which that'll cause you to haunt a fucking manor for the rest of your life. Yeah, but that's where the story all of a sudden becomes not scary. To you, yeah. Because then you realize that the ghosts can't really do anything to anybody. Yeah, but it terrified her. I thought, okay, so this was a scene that it it did. This is not how it happened, but this is what I saw. So when Nell's husband died... I thought the reason he got scared and fell and broke was ne- his neck was because he saw the bent neck lady because the bent neck lady was there. He, he she was, but didn't he die of like an aneurysm or maybe he did. Like, I thought that up. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's exactly that what he died from. But I thought it was because he fucking saw and fucking had like a heart attack or something. Yeah, but that's that's the problem is <sighs> the, the twist doesn't land it because there's no there's no once you understand that the ghosts don't do actually do anything to anybody. Then there's no fear on that part of the equation now. What about the mom? Well, the mom didn't really do anything would, to anybody. I she was would, a real I person, wanna, I guess. I want to comment on that though. Yeah. Like I think the beginning of the show, like the actual intro to the show, like teaches you where the 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 real fear and horror is in the show. They show Hill House as like a diagram, and they show it as like a, a like a labyrinth, like Pan's labyrinth or whatever. And and if you watch. The, the maze is getting tighter and tighter and it, it's getting to the point where there's no escape from it. It's the ghosts are not the, the problem. It's Hill House. Hill oh, okay. House is damning every single one of them and trapping them within its inside of itself. Now, whether you look at that as a good thing or a bad thing, that's up to you. But the house is literally capturing each one of them slowly and, 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 and in its grasp. It's like they, they, they're getting pulled back to it no matter what they, no matter what they do. Yeah. What do you guys make of the mom? In general, alive and dead. I, I hate her. You hated her? Which, mean, which means she did a good job. Oh, okay. I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, she did, she sold a good job of being a complete... I don't get the dad's part of the equation, where he was able to forgive and get over that. I'm like, like what? Like, you, bet, you better get in this casket with me and die and be happy with me. Well, it's house. not that, but, but, but the mom killed, like, kids. He, yeah, like how? Like you went to you went to go be with the murderer of well, a child murder. Technically, she was a murderer, but she was also okay. The biggest thing about these three movies was that mental health was it was there, but you had. But you, she never became not crazy. No, she died crazy, and she was still crazy in the aftermath. Yes, because she had to like there had to be a realization moment. Which yes, you're, it takes away she from the scariness. She turned into a crazy cat lady. <laughs> And then and then did some crazy cat lady shit. She's a hot crazy cat lady doing hot crazy cat lady I, shit. Speaking of the cat thing, I just want to throw that out there. I thought it was a neat little thing that they worked into it. The fact that it almost pulled that Game of Thrones thing where the the dogs or you know like the the, the wolves they get or whatever kind of represent the different you know uh, Stark children uh, in that. It's, oh yeah. the, the kittens represent the the kids in the in the family. That was like creepy the as first, fuck. The runt that dies is Nail because it even has the bug crawl of its mouth because that's what happens when Nail is being worked on by Cheryl later yeah. on. She yeah. has that same bug crawl out of her mouth. <laughs> oh my god! Didn't all the kittens die though? They did, and I think that's what it was hinting at, that it was, uh, I mean, the house was, like, trying to, I mean, basically take the whole family in. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, the it's the Hill House is the problem. It's not, like, it's not you know, the people, it's, yeah. not, it's not the family or the ghost or whatever that they're having to live with. So do we think the mom, okay, the mom was obviously psychic in some kind of way, and do we think that the house, like, fucking drew from that energy or the house made it worse? 
she also had a poltergeist activity. I don't know because I just watched this. She has that whole scene where she's talking to Mrs. Dudley when they're picking up the glass from the hailstorm, mm-hmm. and she talks about how when she was a kid and her dad died oh, yeah. at a young yeah. age that she had these black stones hit the house, and they were all because she was crying so much. It was kind of like you know working with her will. That's uh, that that ties in the poltergeist stuff from the original story that Eleanor originally had, yeah, and you know kind of goes along with it, and and maybe explains why the the ghosts were more active whenever they i mean they were still there i mean because the dudleys were scared to be there after dark obviously i mean that's you know been repeated a million times but i mean like i feel like the mother and her own like you know uh, her having the poltergeist activity in her past and being psychic and all that she i mean she stimulated the ghost to like be more active and be more i mean you know i I guess have more presence in the house than they would probably had otherwise yeah i'm gonna have to agree with my hubby the actress did a really good job the one who played olivia because i hated her guts by the end of the movie yeah i I was like oh my god okay like look at i'm glad you you're having this happy ending with your husband and i'm sorry that you had to go through what you go what you went through but you killed a little girl and cause grief to family members that now are tied to that house forever. Because hey, now, but now I didn't even feel bad about it. Yeah, no, well, not not at all. Yeah, she didn't feel no, bad. She acts she, she she like she's done them a favor because now yeah. they're living a great life. You You're know, welcome within the realms of that house. And th- well, and then of course they didn't help by saying, "Oh, we'll just live here and it's fine. That's fine. Everything's fine. House is fucking on fire." You know, um, and well, then cause her daughter I, to I, fucking her daughter to return and killed her. Her mentally, the daughter that she knew was mentally ill, which wasn't even, I don't even know that now, if I don't recall, I remember that um, the middle, uh, the uh, Theo was force sensitive, if you will, specifically to touch. What was now, what was her superpower? I, I think just literally she was seeing her older self, which oh, is another, okay. I mean, you know, that's one of the abilities that the mom had, because remember the mom was seeing the, the adult or the dead ghost versions of her, her two twin children. That's what spurred all that to begin with. She was uh, yeah. seeing Luke yeah, dead due to a drug overdose. I don't think and she saw Nell dead on the slab. And so, and Nell was seeing that her own herself dead. So she had a little bit of that, you know, like foresight into the future. See, you, I, I don't, will. I don't think she had the foresight. I think she was just haunting herself. Well, I mean, yeah. And that, I mean, that could be, yeah, it's, it's, it's see, kind what, of like a mix of that. See, what would have been awesome if they had made the mom, after she became a ghost, but she couldn't leave the house, but she can reach out and haunt him. If when she got in the house, she can actually inflict pain on him because that would have made it like over the top scary. Scary. Well, she made them inflict pain upon themselves. Okay, I have a question. When they were at the funeral, well, not the funeral home. It was it was uh, Theo and her dad, the older version of the dad. I want to say it was at either the funeral home. It was in a kitchen, and there was something crawling on the ground towards them. I thought that was the mom. No, that was the daughter. That I was now. Yeah, I thought it was the daughter. Okay, and that would make uh, sense. It looked more like the mother to me, but it did. That, and then know, there was the, oh, know. and didn't the mom pull at when they were burying, actually burying her? Didn't the mom yes. jump out of the ground Pulled and say, "Come down. with me"? Yeah. Okay, so the mom did escape the house a few times spiritually. But I'm saying that 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 would have really like. That would have gave it like tangible fear because now it's something that it, it's not in your own head. It's something that will get a hold of you in its own right. Yeah, I mean, I only, go ahead, Reverend. I only caught this recently on a recent view, but uh, did, did were you all aware that Luke could also see the bent neck lady? Wait, what? Um, 
No, yeah, I did not um, catch that. They don't they don't really address it, but you know when when Stephen is going to the treehouse, which is the red room, it doesn't exist, but mm-hmm. when he's going to this treehouse and he sees Luke's drawings, Luke has a drawing of this woman oh, with yeah. her mouth open yes. wide. Stephen sees Nell the night that she dies after she's a ghost and she opens her mouth in the exact same way. So Stephen uh, that when he saw that picture, basically Luke had seen the bent neck lady. He just didn't know that's who she was. Oh my god! See, this is where I have a huge problem with the red room. Is the fact when the dad, he knew the whole time, like there was something like, like there are so many unanswered questions that throw giant red flags in the stories, uh, in in the movie storytelling. The fact that the dad knew that there was that thing with the room and and. Yeah, but it's, like logically, would a dad, especially especially someone like you, would you think, oh my god, there's something supernatural going on? No, but I, think, I feel like I feel like Hugh was the denier of the group yes. up to a certain point. He was and a I major think Stephen took that over from him. Like, I feel like know, if he, I were the mom with any kind of psychic ability, even when I talk to you about my fucking crazy ass dreams, you're like, <laughs> you know, just brush it off. Yet my wife is fucking crazy, you know. Yeah, but w- <laughs> when you have the older kid who's the one that's the most rooted and and reasonable, saying that they're hanging out in treehouse is like, what are you fucking talking about? Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, the, kids have imagination. That's what I'm saying. That, but I know, but that kid didn't really have that type of imagination. He was very logical, and you can prove it by the point when the girls talk when the ladies. Mrs. Dudley's talked to him about religion, and then he starts shutting her down. Then a mom walks in yeah. and says, "We don't really practice religion, but we te- we 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 read it and we understand it." It and and then he makes some follow up question about you gotta you gotta know these things so you can refute them type of deal. So he, he's already very rational in that position, and they set the character up like that. So they take the position that if he says that. You're going to disregard the most rational kid in the entire equation? I guess so. I mean, that dad. I know. They tried to make him as if he were so busy with trying to get this house, and this house kept having nonstop problems, and that was kind of distracting him. I feel like that's what was going on with the dad. That's the only explanation. That's what they were trying to paint. Yeah. That he was too distracted to to pay as much attention as he should have been to the family. Yeah. Which I think is the guilt that he held for the rest of his life, honestly. Because, I mean, when Timothy Hutton's playing the character as an older man, you can tell he he don't know how, he's got guilt that he he, he don't know how to, I mean, not just because his wife died the way that she did, but he feels like he he fucked the kids up because he didn't didn't realize what was happening sooner. Because even that line he has whenever he grabs her, like whenever she's fell down, and like the Dudleys walk in and he's like, I can fix her. I can, I can oh, fix yeah. this. I can fix this. And then Mr. Dudley's like, you there, no, Hugh, this, this not, you can't do anything with this. This not. And, and so like he, he's, he's lived like guilt his whole life that he, he saw the, the warning signs, but he didn't address them. Yeah. I can't, I can't get over the Dudley's response. Like, like they were just in general weird. I mean, they lived in a fucking house <laughs> on the property yeah, but, in the woods, but like the, the like, no, like, Oh, it happens type of deal. Like pretty much, yeah. Yeah, like he killed your daughter. Like, what are we talking about? I mean, they were. I want to say that the Dudleys were already fucked up. They knew something was up with that house, and it was it was really poorly that that was a poorly written scene where they were just like, "Oh, we can't find our daughter, and we just decided to show up here." The problem is, this isn't a mark against people who are Bible thumpers, but if you're a Bible, yeah, shut up. I'm just kidding. But if you're a Bible thumper and someone fucking killed your kid, that is not the response. Yeah. You're going to have. Well, not only did they kill their kid, they damned her to purgatory inside yes. the house. Yes, inside that's the house. for a Christian. And that's oh, what yeah. I'm saying. So it, the reaction doesn't match the the what happened. I feel like mentally they were fucked up. This is not an excuse. I think they were legit fucked up. Like they like they were not I in almost, their right mind. I almost feel like those 
I almost feel like those characters are like Judd from the, you know, the Pet Cemetery. The <laughs> yeah. Guy knew, the guy knew the Pet Cemetery was fucking damned. He yeah. saw the results of it, but yet he still took uh, Lawrence Creed up to Pet Cemetery yes. and had him bury his son, you know, and, and you get the same kind of, and the Dudleys are the same way. They're like, we, it's like, okay, this place is fucked up, but, you know, the whatever, we'll, you know, let these cranes deal with it. You literally, know? at the end, when you see everybody's ending, he literally takes his dying wife up to the house and barely makes <laughs> it into the landing as she's dying so that she can die in that house and they could be together. Which echoes Pet Cemetery in a way. 100%. Really so they were not right in the mind. They were, I mean, that would fuck me up. And then on top of that, they can physically see their daughter maybe in another realm but she's there and they can see her and i bet you that's something fucked up to see to know that your child just died but i could see them right here and if i play my cards right i could i could be with her you know not only was abigail there which that you know another throw out they they brought out the name they just changed it around which which is something i found was interesting they they took the the hugh crane who was the one that was supposed to build hill house and they made him in the guy who fixed up hill house you know i thought that was interesting but um, you know, they, they have that, that whole thing and it's just, I mean, it, it's, it, it just, I mean, it was, it, it was interesting to see that way, you know, what the way they figured it out. Um, do we have any other comments we want to make? Do we want to roll into reviews of this? Let's, let's bring up one other thing that was, that was, uh, well, a couple, I mean, well, one thing in particular, it has to be brought up. Okay. Mike Flanagan hinted that there was something that he built into the show and some people on Twitter figured this out. And I wanted to discuss it because I think this is interesting. The five children of the, the cranes, um, they, they all represent the five stages of, of grief. Oh shit. That somebody goes through during death. Um, Steven represents the dial. That's obvious. I mean, he denied the fact that Hill House was haunted for mm-hmm. all those years. He denied the fact that there was such thing as ghost. It was all mental. It was all rational. So that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> Shirley represents anger. Um, Theo represents bargaining. Shirley, Shirley's, the one, rep- Shirley's the one that can touch people. and, and pick No, them. that's Theo. No, that's Theo. Okay, my bad. Which, so Shirley's the older one that runs the morgue. Thing. Yes. Okay. Right, yes. Um, we have Luke who represents depression mm-hmm. and then we have uh, Nail who represents acceptance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, you can't really argue because you see Cheryl, she's angry through the entire thing at everybody oh, because yeah. she felt betrayed by the book and, you know, and then, uh, you know, the fact that they, you know, like, uh, some, uh, you know, other family things like Theo not telling her about, you know, taking the money and all that stuff. And then you have Theo who's, due to her psychic empathy is trying is throughout. I mean, especially when she's a kid, every time somebody has like a false perception of something, she's the one that steps in and mediates it. Like whenever Mrs. Dudley, one thing that stood out for Miss Dudley yells at uh, Luke because he's wanting to go that dumb waiter. And, and, you know, and then she grabs Mrs. Or Mrs. Dudley grabs her hand, Theo's hand. She's like, she tells Luke, she, he says something like she's mean. And it's like, no, she's not mean. She's scared. Yeah. Cause you she know, can like feel she's it. Trying, she's placating, you know, yeah, she was um, always kind of the mediator. And, you know, Luke being depression, you know, obviously, you know, with his, his not, not really his addiction so much, the fact that, I mean, it's just, you know, like when the twin, which we didn't even bring up the fact that 
I mean, do you all feel like the symptoms he was having, I'm just going to throw it out there right now, that he was having whenever he, they thought he was going with withdrawals, was him feeling the dead uh, sensations of his twin, you know, like the rigor mortis was oh, kicking yeah. in, the, you know, and all that stuff. His body was stiff. His joints were cold. He couldn't move. Oh, yeah. He was definitely feeling what his sister, his dead sister, basically. I, and I think making him a drug addict muddies that water a lot. It does, but it I think does, it's intentionally it does. does. Yeah. Yeah, but then then it's hard. To, they would have better. They would have been better off not making him a drug addict, drug addict, and making him act like that. Because then, because yeah. then would it would have fed the validity that he does have that. Yeah, because and my husband's right. Because I mean, in a different way, the only withdrawal I've ever experienced is when I had my surgeries, the C sections to have the kids out, and with the drug drugs coming out of my body, you're cold. You're shivering. You can't move. It was everything oh, he, that he was experiencing. He even mentions that to Steve, like whenever they had the dinner together with Steve and his, you know, with Luke and his new his girlfriend, the one that eventually, you know, we assume ODs and dies. Yeah. Um. You know, they're he's sitting there and he's telling him all the symptoms that he, you know, that you go through with withdrawals and and they're exactly the same symptoms he has later on whenever he's got the twinning effect going on. Yeah, it's one of those things where blink and you'll miss it. But when See? he was saying that, I was like, his sister's fucking dead, and he's definitely feeling her. And then he had that weird thing following him, which. I don't know if that was just like a shadow of doom. Like, hey, by the way, something happened. You know, it was meant to scare wasn't him. That, wasn't that Mr. Hill that he had the hat of whenever he was a kid? Oh, uh, yeah. Hat. See, um, I, I hated the fact that, that that whole little timeline with that girl that, that that relapsed and he was trying to run with her and, and try to – that would never work out like that in a real scenario because if you're a dopehead and you're in recovery, you understand there's nothing you can do to get that to happen and to give her money. Yeah. He would have saw that from a mile away. As he dope. was pretty stupid. Right. But, yeah. but he wasn't stupid. Yeah. A, a regular dopehead would have saw that, especially him being recovered. Yeah. And he would have known, like, she's going to run with the money. Like, he would have knew that. <laughs> so, like, when they did that, I'm like, that is such a, you guys didn't hit that by any margin. I mean, did you feel uh, like she was relevant at all to the story? Because I, after she disappeared, I didn't really think she was. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't know why they she, even had to bring her back in. He could have went looking for she her and never found her. I don't. I don't feel like she was, and I don't really feel like Steve's wife was really relevant to the story, other than the fact you have that one creepy scene where you know the thing was in her stomach. I mean, yeah. that's literally the only purpose she served. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, she wasn't. It, it, that feels like too much time wasted on developing something that doesn't even matter. This mo- this movie, this show was not without you know, some of its flaws, but I really think that everything else it provided to me personally uh, overshadowed a lot of that where I was able to get past it and be like, okay, I'm not, I don't oh, have to focus it, it, yeah, on this. Yeah, it was still awesome. It just is when you watch you like, this is wasted. There's a lot of things they did and, and spent time doing. Yeah. They didn't do anything. Yeah, there was, I don't know, like, I, I think even the whole um, with Theo, um, Going to the club, like, I'm not saying it's it wasn't relevant, but, like, the whole having to feel things. I think there was other ways to be able to kind of express that, uh, how they showed it through her childhood. I, I, I agree that her storyline was probably the most tangible because it showed you the disconnect she has with people in general. Yeah, that's true. Because it, 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 was, it was never about the person she took home. It was about the fact that 
she can't make a connection, so she shuts everybody out. Yeah, but she also did. Well, I guess, I mean, it's like they had sex, but like, okay, so you can't feel emotion like by eating a check out is all I'm saying because she had to wear gloves. <laughs> so it was only through the hands she could feel well, no, emotion. She, 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 she left the gloves off. No, no, no. She had the gloves on. No, no. She put them she, on afterwards. Oh, she did? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So wait, so she could, because. Even when they were dancing at the club, she had taken her gloves off. I didn't see that. I saw the gloves on. I thought I saw no. them on the whole no, time. No, she took them off. Mm. No, I, 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 you want to put some money down? <laughs> no, don't put I'm, money I'm down. not going to bet. That, that, that's not something I am I questioning, that though. I just literally watched that. Yeah, he had, to, he had to do some uh, brush up. Yeah. On it, uh, I just literally we re- watched that. That I just like I was watching that scene probably about twenty minutes before it came on. I guess it was something I missed. Yeah, she had taken the gloves off and she was touching her. The, 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 the I think she uses it as a way to determine how bad somebody is too. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a so, good. Yeah, so she can make it like if she's lo- looking at the hookup with the girl for the night, she can make a judgment call what type of person this is. She's got herpes. Stay away from this one. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen your mind. Um, going on to Theo's touch real quick, the scene where she discovers that the uh, foster dad or the adopt adoption, I think it's fostering, oh, yeah. that he the is being smiley inappropriate. Smiley man or whatever Smiling man. That was a really good, uh, you know, story into to kind of explain how she feels things. I mean, full blown. She touched a fucking couch and was able to determine that this little girl was being, you know, molested. And so, I don't know. I, I, I thought that was, I thought it was pretty genius. Uh, how she was able to convince authorities was a little unbelievable, but, I mean, it was she like, got, oh, you just got to trust She me. got the guy to fold. She did get the guy to fold. She's like, I, well, yeah, and she probably sent, hey, if you, she touched him, she shook his hand, yeah. so she probably knew from then, hey, this guy's going to fucking, yeah. he's too weak. He's he's, gonna, he doesn't have an indomitable will. A little bit of fucking questioning. I, this I guy's going to fold like a plays in term. her bargaining thing. I think she, when she touches, she knows how to play the person, too. It's like she gets enough of the sensation about where their emotional state is that she can push those levers and get them to do whatever she needs them to do. Hell yeah, that's how she's able to score every night. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Has nothing to do with the fact that she's a hot lesbian. Yeah, but those she, don't, Those don't exist. She's picking for the fish in the barrel. Like, this is an easy trot. Let's do this one. Oh my God. And notice she doesn't keep a girl around so that they don't actually have a, like, lesbian deathbed. Yeah. She's like, she's like when she here. wants attention, yeah. she goes for it like a goddamn cat. Like a guy. I want it now. <laughs> and I want it all. Think about it. if you was a guy and you could touch a girl and, and make a calculation on your probability of taking her home, you can you can isolate your night really quick. You just go around touching a girl on their shoulder or whatever, and you just find the one that fits your the profile that you can convince. I mean, you turn your long expensive night into a cheap ex- cheap short night. I mean, girls can kind of naturally do that anyways. They don't have to touch a guy. Yeah, you just touch him <laughs> right in the middle of his pants area. That's all you got to do. Uh, someone's gonna someone's gonna go for it. It may not be you know. You may not be able to touch and get the sensation, but you're going to touch him and make him give you sensation. I'm just saying, but her her, her actual storyline is a legitimate storyline that gives you better context of her. Yeah. Like like Steve and his wife with the baby, that doesn't, that doesn't like, there's no, nothing. There's nothing with that. It doesn't really do a the whole best, lot. The best part of Steve's storyline is literally the stuff with him and the, the black lady at the yes. beginning of it, whenever he showing his, like his still, he's in denial about like ghost or whatever. He's, he's constantly like trying to disprove anything that might, you know, be related to the supernatural. That that's the best part of his storyline period. They yeah. didn't do a good job of showing that he doesn't believe in the supernatural. He clearly from 
our one believes in the supernatural and experiences it, but tries to deny it the whole time, which would explain who he is as a character. So, you know, it, yeah. it works. Th- that, but, but that proves my point about the whole treehouse. He's the most rational person there. So why wouldn't, when he was talking about the treehouse, his dad wouldn't question that right away? The dad was fucking busy. Like in building shit. I don't. I could totally see your son no way. trying to explain to you some no. crazy shit. And this you're like, be, this I'm would be like my son playing in the treehouse, and then my daughter talking about playing in the treehouse that I built. That's gonna automatically <laughs> raise some questions. <laughs> like what? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The treehouse I built. Get out of here. <laughs> no, that would not happen like that. I think it would. No. <laughs> no way. Oh, your fourteen-year-old kid comes up talking about a treehouse. You're gonna have some serious questions. Uh, you know, honestly, if I if I were to catch on that she was talking about a treehouse that didn't exist, I'd be like, okay, we're going for a drug test. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just saying, because not not that, but it never explains how they got into the treehouse. So there, there's all these different. Oh yeah, in general, it does giant... not explain how they got into the red room, other than their imagination took them to a different place. But, but yet they always thought it was why locked. Would, why would they not build on? The, your imagination takes you there. They didn't. Even, they didn't explain any of these things. It is to be inferred, sir. You can infer a lot of <laughs> lies. I mean, like, what are we talking about? That's sometimes that's fun, though. Sometimes that's fun to kind of try to put in your own head. How did this, you know, piece together what you think may have happened? I'm all about having an imagination when I watch a movie, but yeah. and, and it needs to get a little logical of how you. I don't know when when it together. was revealed to me that this was. Oh my god! All of this was the red room. I was like, oh my god! That fucking. It, to me, it made sense. Okay, then how they get in there? That's the thing is like that that I mean that may not have been explained but it's like they always thought I it looks know, like everybody had to walk to the door at the very end of the movie to exactly. get into it. No, 100%. However, how the way I interpret it is that, you know, there was some kind of mental block that when they were just in front of the door and just trying to get in, they they couldn't get in. There was a mental block, but when they wanted to do something or wanted to be somewhere like the girl was in the dance studio, the kid wanted to go to his private place. Um, yeah, but like they that. could have set all that up and shown. They could have showed scenes where the kids were in front of the door. Then all of a sudden, he was in the treehouse. Yeah, or the girl was in front of the door. Wow. And now all of a sudden, I don't think you have to do that though. I liked I, it. The way I would it was. posit that the movie almost explains it though, in the sense that whenever they whenever they get knocked out by the lady who's talking about the screaming memes or whatever, <laughs> like when she puts them into that sleep view and then they appear in the red room like in their own dream or whatever and you know think that they're you know living another life that that almost explains maybe what happened to them when they were kids a little bit like they Good. they yeah. were one place they got into the red room it was almost like a dream you know like in dreams like you don't like you you're from one place to another and there's no like and you don't ever question the interconnects it's like you're just you're you know you're in a new scene and you accept it and you move on and it's almost kind of like what they they set up with that the fact the way she kidnapped them and put them in the red room maybe that was happening to them when they were kids i know that it's not explained that way but no, i'm just yeah. saying that's that's one thing they kind of set up a little bit i think mm, that no sir i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> i think that to somebody with a simple mind such as myself where i i can't take in a lot of details i'm not ashamed to admit it but i think that they have a lot going on in a good way they have a lot to distract you emotionally mentally visually that i didn't really think there's, too much about it just too much because okay well, how about the fact when they leave the treehouse i just got done watching it and he's going through the floor of the treehouse shows him going in yeah okay there's some giant hurdles we got to clear the to make this rational. Mentally, that's what he thought he was doing. I know, but they, they should have set some kind of framing to show what happens 
to the to the to the transition period. Semantics. So, no, like <laughs> it, it shows it shows him standing in front of the red door. Next thing you know, he's doing it because then it would have tangibly kind of put some kind of. I understand that. I didn't. I personally didn't I, need that. I, I agree with you on that, Noah. They they actually halfway showed that, but they didn't show it the the right way. In what you're saying, they showed the scene where Cheryl and Nell were trying to get into the red room, and they showed that Theo was in the red room, and how that you know the two you know kind of connected. But if they would have showed a scene where Steve kind of dream walked his way out of the red room, thinking he was climbing down the steps, yes. that would have like you know it was cemented. Something. It. Yeah, or not that, but even went back later on in the storyline after they kind of after you kind of understood this, and it shows that happening. Yeah. Give it context. There's nothing wrong with the letting the imagination do the heavy lifting, but give context of how it happens. In 20 years, when this is remade because nobody has original content anymore, hopefully they will <laughs> fix <dare> those. <laughs> hopefully that will be fixed for you. Uh, and then you can enjoy and be like, this is what I fucking wanted them to do. I'm and then they'll fuck something else up. I'm just saying, when you give better context, it, it, it lends to the strength of the story. I guess. I don't it know. always does. I'm not saying it won't. It, it but validates certain things that happen. I don't know. Like I said, it it all tied in and made sense to me. It was cohesive for me. Yeah, it makes sense. You can look at the 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 actual movie. You shut your face. <laughs> no, I, I something about series are always a better way of like I I'm not sold on new movies anymore because movies don't give you enough of anything. They give you a taste. No. And and now all these long format shows. I mean, I mean. Game of Thrones is just a prime example of what you can actually do. Yeah, but th- but th- there's always fillings. I don't. That's the thing I don't get. There's so much room to run that you can actually tell the story correctly. That I don't know why they do these things where they rush or leave inconsistencies. Like you have the ability to tile this up, especially in post production. You can yeah. figure out where a lot of stuff went wrong, and you can always do re like little quick tie-ins to validate certain things that happen. Yeah, reshoot and you something. can't even you can't even argue the shit about run times anymore because like yeah. some of these they'll like one episode will be forty five minutes the next one will be sixty because that's what they needed for that episode. Yeah, there's Correct. no consistency, but you're just like sweet. I I wanted that extra time. Even then, tack on another episode. Yeah, one oh yeah, one hundred percent. Now the hubs and I did start Bly Manor. Is that something you're dabbling into at all, Reverend? Uh, I have watched it. If you want to, oh. uh, well, but well, I take that back. Bly Manor is is actually a whole other story that's been yes, remade several times itself. The oh, same wow. way, it's called the, the it's the Innocence or the Turning of the Screw is basically the, the you know is what it's based upon. It's actually it's based upon a novel as well. We could actually do this whole setup again with Bly Manor because that, it's literally that it's 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 haunting uh, of Hill House the way they did the Netflix series. They did the same thing with Bly Manor, just taking the, that Henry James story and making it you know into a larger format show. Well, if you had to compare the two, which one executed it better? Was it the Haunting of Hill House or the Bly Manor one? I personally prefer Hill House just because, and 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 I'll go back and say one thing. You saying that it took the horror out of it, I, I totally agree. I view Hill House, and they even listed as this on Amazon or uh, Google when you look it up. It's a drama series. I don't consider it a horror movie. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, it, big it time. is. Once you get once you get the punchline, then yeah, it hundred percent qualifies as that. But um, I, I feel like there, there's so much emotion that's baked into Hill House that, that I felt like rewatching it, especially that I didn't feel because. 
I, when I'm watching Bly Manor and I, and I've watched, and I know that story inside and out, and maybe that's part of it. I think that's the bias I have because I have read the turn of the screw or, you know, the innocence or whatever you want to call it. Watch the old version of the innocence. I, I've seen that story before and I was sitting there and I was watching it beat by beat. I'm like, okay, this is the scene where, uh, she thinks that the kid's possessed. Okay. But you know, and here's the scene with that. And I'm just like, you know, and, and I saw it, uh, you know, coming from a mile away and it, and I was bored up until they, the last three episodes where they flipped it on its head and they added another element to it that, that made it to me a better story. But, uh, you know, if you've never, if you've never read that story, which I hadn't, I've not read the Honey of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. So maybe that's why I'm the way that I am about this. Then I've, it might be more interesting. And then maybe that's why I like the Hill House movie or show better is because it, you know, I, I don't know the source material ad nauseum to the point where I'm sitting there watching. It. I'm like, this is when this happens. Yeah. This is when that happens. You I know. mean, there's a lot of references had, well, saying that, that um, Netflix's series tied in the book really, really well. Well, I was just thinking when you were saying that, I, I, I don't know if you guys thought about this or this would even make sense to you guys. There's so many good actual horror books that never get brung to any type of film. Yeah. It'd be almost awesome to review a horror series. Like, there's a really good one. It's a zombie one. That, that uh, nope. <laughs> Zombies. Wow. <laughs> but it's it's a, it's a hell of a good series. I'm trying to think of the name on top of my head. I, I got two of the books, but I, I, got, I got all five of the audiobooks. There's probably some of the best zombie books have ever been done they're they're amazing they're hella good hella scary it's like there's no the, like any character you think has a chance of making it good luck it's yeah. really good you don't know who's going to be like taken off or where it's going to go but it would be almost awesome to, re, to do a book and because there's so much content in a book if we ever get to the point honestly I, that's actually not a bad idea because if we ever get to the point where we can actually do a patreon or anything like that that might be a nice little like subscriber yeah because you because you could want to do that for a while yeah uh, comics you know horror comics you could do that way books you could do that way well because um, the the book when you can clip pieces of the audiobook that are really really good like little clip, oh, yeah. little 30 second pit bits and run it in there so people could listen to it and it might encourage them to go uh get yeah. an audible accounting uh Help out those authors too, and then we could be sponsored by Audible. <laughs> and, and, and I did that a couple of times early in the Devils in the Details when I had the time to do it. Whenever I actually read, the, you know, the uh, <laughs> um, uh, some of the, the <laughs> I read the scene in particular from Rosemary's Baby that was hilarious. But um, like you know, reading some of those novels or whatever, and then comparing them to the movies, I, I love doing that. And I would have done it for this one. I just didn't have the time to. No, one hundred. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I got to have Raina uh, send you the name of those books. But the the, the series is amazing. It, it's a total of five books, I think, is what it is. And it's the last book kind of kind of did a did a face plant. But everything leading up to the last book is amazing. It's it's you don't know where it's go. It's a totally different type of zombie feel to it. It's hell good. I think I know of what you're talking about. I just, the name's not coming to me right now. Cause I, I've got a bunch of the zombie books that I, cause I mean, that's the majority of what I have right beside of me here, uh, you know, in, in my bookcase. And it's, I, I don't have that series here. I, I have a bunch, you know, obviously the walking dead, a bunch of those comics up until Negan. And then, no, these um, are actually the Mar- novels, novels, <laughs> novels. They're, they're hella good. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I know I'm just saying I got some of those. I've got the rising by, uh, Keen. Uh, that was a pretty good zombie novel and it went in the city of the dead. And then I say it kind of petered out after that. that oh, I think that that's I it. I think that's it. City of the dead. That city of the, 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 the dead was the first novel, right? 
I, it might have been. It was either that one or the rising because I've got them both right here beside each other. I, I don't remember which one's which when it comes to that. Hold on, I'm looking right now. Yeah, we just got way off topic. No, 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 it's it's fine. Uh, Brian Keen, and hold on, let me see if there's a series. Yep. Uh, well, is it? You gotta flip it over. I could if you show me the cover, I can identify it immediately. Okay, City of the Dead book, but I was trying to see if there's a series. Um. He definitely has a sequel to it because, I mean, those books tie into each other. Like the, the, the guy barely escapes from the first one and he gets thrown right back into the se- in the shit in the second movie. Yeah, the, it, second book, yeah, the, the, the dude's a cop and, he's, and he, he, he it, it spawns off in the middle of him. Him and his buddy are reporting to a call. Is it called the Rising Series? I don't know yes, if it is. Yes, I think so. Okay. Is that the one you're thinking of, though? The guy's a cop. It starts off the guy's a cop is what it is. <sighs> I don't remember if this one is or not, to be honest with you. Um Hold on, I'm looking at the info right now. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I just wish I knew off the top of my head what the series was. Okay, yeah, plot there. summary. Uh, aftermath of a particle accelerator experiment. Somehow the experiment has opened some sort of interdimensional rift. No. Causing demons to possess the dead. That's not the one. Okay. Yeah, I wish I knew off the top of my head what it All was. All right, well, that we sucks. can get to that eventually. Anyways, back to... Uh, Haunting of Hill House and us <laughs> maybe eventually that. reviewing Bly Manor. Hubs and I have only seen episode one and two, and I'm going to be honest with you, it didn't seem like a lot was going on. There was some things, but nothing of great interest worth discussing. Well, they do a they do a twist partway through that uh, that's not in the novel. I'll say that that, that a lot of people thought was brilliant. I I, I thought it was interesting. It didn't really. Uh, it didn't, you know, change anything for me, like, you know, uh, as far as like being invested in the story or anything like that, but it's, it's a neat twist. It's, it's kind of a play on if you are a spirit, what is it like being a spirit? You know, like the, you know, t- with especially, I mean, it's it, in a twist. I mean, and I don't want to spoil it, but it, is, it, it revolves around time. Like what is time to a spirit? Like, you know, and it plays on that. It's like, you know, it, it, it does a good job of showing it from the ghost side, like what they're dealing with, you know, whatever it, you know, goes into that. Um, but I mean, that's not really in the book because honestly, the turn of the screw, the point of it is, is that you never know if the, the, the babysitter or the nanny who is sent to, you know, the manor to babysit the kids, you don't, it's more, it's also psychological. You don't know if she's actually seeing what she's seeing or if she's just overly, you know, uh, agitated, you know, anxious, and she's creating a lot of these phantoms in her own head. And it's especially sinister whenever you realize that the target of all of her, you know, supernatural, like, you know, what she's thinking is supernatural is, is one of the kids. And so she starts debating is this, you know, when she starts debating if the kid's possessed or not, then it starts going down a dark road because she's wrong. She's targeting an innocent kid for no damn reason. But if she's right, then she's, you know, there, I mean, she might potentially, you know, save everybody involved because, you know, she's, you know, going after a uh, true evil. So it's, it's huh. kind of, that's where the, the, the whole point of the story is hinged on, or at least the original. And then it kind of goes from there. Okay. If it's, and it's not going to be identical. I don't want it to be the same storyline we got from it's, Hill House. That'd be boring, obviously. It's, it's not. But if it's it. anything kind of similar to how what I thought Hill House was great, I'm going to really enjoy it because I did really enjoy The Haunting of Hill House. I was, wasn't quite at first. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to stick it through at first. But I did, and it captured my attention. And that is saying a lot because it is hard to keep my attention. Um 
I, I'm just one of those people. Um, and I can't, I can't sit through anything that I think is going to be a slow burn. It's, Squirrel. Yeah, exactly. Any, anything that anything that has an amazing story build, it's like this is ugh, I can't. Uh, ugh. So that should attest to the greatness of this show. Honestly, like I said, it's not without its flaws, but to be able to keep the attention of somebody like me is a great feat. And I think it's, uh, you know, the how good I think it is. I think they it's well deserved. Honestly, they they did a really good job with this show. Um, I don't, is there anything else we want to add? I don't, I don't want to mull I, over any, de- I really liked all the details that we've been discussing. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm fine with where we're at. Cause I feel like we hit the, the highlights running on as far as like what I want to discuss with it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to go first with the ratings. Um, for me, it was fresh as fuck. It was a five out of five for me. Oh, you guys don't want to break down the storyline at all? We kind of, we just kind of briefly discussed okay. everything. Oh, there was, there was like. Some more stuff. And oh, do you want to go over more? Well, I, I thought we were going to break down more, like, the storyline, the arc of the of it. My bad. I don't know. Ha, ha, ha. Just kidding, everybody. It was a five out of five for me. Like I said, fresh as fuck. Um, it, it wasn't perfect, but it was everything I wanted in the show. Uh, it was even things that I didn't know that I wanted in a show. So it kind of opened me up to a new kind of thinking of, hey, giving something a chance. I mean, shit, even the first film well, that I'm, we reviewed. You know what I'm kind of curious? Are Are you guys going to review any, like, horror, horror ghost Horrors? movies? Like, well, no, because, like, <laughs> the poltergeist in this one, they're not, I don't really look at them as horror movies at all. I, I we don't, I don't know. Like, what would you define as a, because, like, we intend to, but it sometimes doesn't Hor- always work out that way. Horror, horror, you need the pain to be visceral. There there has to be an, an end game ramification. So give us an example. Of a hor- of like a ghost horror a movie, a ghost horror movie. Uh, yeah, this sucks. See what happens? You get put on the spot. Yeah, you like that, huh? Keep talking, I'll think. <laughs> um. Anyways, going back to the review, like I said, it th- it introduced me to a whole new way of thinking of how I look at shows that have storyline building. My intentions are good. The fact that it was, like I said, was able to keep me. It was it was almost perfect to me. So. I loved it. Would watch it again, and you know I don't watch shit again. Uh, Sinister would be a good one. That's kind of a ghost one. Sinister, that's that's one, and that's very visceral. Um, uh, the Conjuring would be another one. Yeah, but we're gonna do the Conjuring as a fucking like season. Oh, I'm, I'm, but I'm yeah. getting, you asked for an example, but yes, like Sinister is very much a, a that one is like tangible fear, like it is like giant ramifications. I, I believe Reverend, we talked about reviewing Sinister, didn't we? We did. I, I, see, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back see, to it. Sinister is not one. When I watched it originally, it, it did not, like, it didn't hit. Oh, I really? I'll tell you one that did, that did hit, though, that's uh, that's technically a haunted movie, Insidious. Oh, yeah. yeah. It hit hard yeah, that, whenever it, I watched but the, it. And, but that one's tangible. There's the, there's the like. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious. So does the Evil Dead qualify in that area, too, then? Mm, it's more of a zombie movie, but it is haunted. Of. It's a possession type movie, which True, is yeah. Sidious is a possession type movie. They're they're in the same areas. I'm just yeah. So no, we do intend on having actual horror films. I mean, this started as a horror podcast, no, but then but, we started realizing, crap, these are there's some good movies that don't have a shit well, ton of I horror mean, in them. Well, I'm I'm just curious because because the Evil Dead does fall into haunting possession, yeah. evil entities. 
it's, haunted it's homes. Also more, it's also kind of demonic, so it could go that route. Yeah, because we're yeah. having a, a demon one. season. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, though. I'm, I'm kind of curious what the boundary is of what if too much is too much in something, or that because there's a lot of other ones too. Um, this is so off key, and I don't know if Reverend has seen this or even heard of it, but we watched what I considered to be a B film or at least uh, indie, and it was that we need to do something. I I actually liked it. You didn't like that. It wasn't well. It it was it was good. It just yeah. Um, I don't want to review it anyways. But that came up when I'm looking up scary ghost movies. That came up and I'm like, that's not a ghost, ghost movie. movie. Yeah, it just came yeah, up as a what? scary movie. But Reverend, I do recommend if you haven't seen the film, we need to do something. Is actually pretty good. It's a slow burn. It right is a slow burn. Into, right yes. into the end, the ending is pretty good. It's got some I mean, psycho shit going on. Uh, it, well, Noah can go on and discuss uh, his rating because I, I want to look this up because I feel like I've I've heard that title before. Okay, you, you know what? I uh, I thought about the guy that book I was talking about. It's written by Joe McKenna. Okay, God damn it, Noah! What? Review the. I will, <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, like it's so it's written. The series is the Joe McKenna series, and it's like a, a total of five different books. And one of the books, I think the first one, in the series, it's called Dead City. If you ever get a chance to check it out. The book's hella good. The audiobook's even better. It's the audiobook is done with multiple voices. The guy does a really good job of reading it, so it pulls you into the story. And it's and it's a very visceral book. Anyways, uh, the the problem with it is it's 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 scary right until you find the find out what the punchline is. Then after you've 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 shattered what the what the storyline is, it's hard to rewatch it and have the same feeling of like. Of it being like a scary movie. Yes, but we're reviewing this as like a series of, of it being good. And yeah, technically scary because it had scares in it. I, like I said, it's more of a drama, but I give it a four out of five easily. Oh, yeah. It's, it's the, watching it through your first time is scary. I mean, there's, yes. there's a lot of buildup. It has the right tone, the right pacing, a, lo- a lot of the right stuff hitting at the right time. Like, you know what the creepy part I remember is when they're at the funeral home and they're all by the caskets and they give you a shot of... From the casket back toward the people in the in the wake area, mm-hmm. and she's sitting in the back of the room. Oh yeah, that was good. That's like what kind of had that grudge look going on? Yeah, which it, is a scary ghost movie. <laughs> yeah, it it was creepy yeah, as hell. Yeah. Yeah, Japanese horror movies have a lot of ghosts in them, so that's like the the ring and you know stuff like that. That's definitely oh yeah, uh, ones that can be thrown out you, there. You know which ones are huge? Um, I don't know if you ever. If you ever follow this this the side of the industry is um, Indian movies movies from India. I've I've not really delved into those a whole lot to be so honest with you. A lot of movies from India are very much ghost related stories. It's it's a lot of it's like possession type stories, but a lot of them are heavily rooted in, in like ghosts to a degree. So if you ever go looking at if you ever go to watch in there's a couple uh, series on Netflix that are from India. They're they're dubbed over in English, but. A lot of their stuff's on there, and, and a, their horror isn't as visceral as American horror, but it it is still it's still pretty good storytelling, and the, a lot of them are really good. Mm, the Fog is um, another movie we have to consider. Speaking to your question you had earlier about ones that we might cover, uh, one in particular is is for sure going to be The Fog from John Carpenter, and mm-hmm. you talk about you know visceral having you know uh, you could say what you want to. I mean, since they're you know ghost pirates or whatever, but I mean it's that's uh, still a good movie. When that when they show up, I mean they 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 do damage. It's oh not yeah, like they just you know <laughs> it's it yeah it's it's a it's you need that you need that thing of fear that that puts your life on the line. That's what really makes the thing you you need that part of it where your life is on the line like you you can feel it you get supplanted into 
the actual scene when it's done really good. So that fear becomes very tangible, and it, that's what gets you. You need that. When it's just like scare but not a consequence, yeah, it does good the first time around, but when you rewatch it, it turns into a drama more than a scary movie. Um, I'm sorry. Was the mama was the mama was mama a scary film? I yeah. thought we've seen that. Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Okay, yeah, it looks that's scary. Pretty good. Lights off would be another one too. That's not a ghost one though. Yeah, it is. Is it a ghost? Yes. Or I'm yeah. thinking lights yeah, out. She's 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 a spirit. Yeah. Oh, okay. I totally mistook that. I thought yeah. she was in, like that's a different actually, type of entity. That's actually a really good one too. Oh my god, I, we talked about it, but we actually did like a short review of the five minute film. That was and awesome. How much we love that yeah, one. Yeah. The, the pilot to see it's, if they it's, can. It's actually better than the movie. Oh yeah. Five, yeah. Um, All right. Let's my review for the Haunting of Hill House is I go. I'm going with Noah. It's a four out of five. I Flanagan has perfected his art in Midnight Mass, and that is a five out of five for me. And this, uh, you know, I, I would know there's enough. There's enough here and there, con wise, that it knocks it down a little bit. Still great, four out of five, but it's it's just not quite to what Flanagan has you know done later on. Whatever you know working through all these things yeah it's funny you say that about midnight mass that's a total five out of five for me it's (laughs) such a good told it's such a good told story you don't quite know what's happening until you're too deep into it you're like oh this is way bad (laughs) yeah Yeah, everybody's too suckered in at that point and it's just like oh you're just along for the ride you got to deal with it yeah at that point you just nothing you can do you're like you're in you're in for a pound man what what i liked what was if we're talking about scary and I get scared easily, so it's not fair because you guys are fucking dead already, and I don't know why. I still get scared when I watch scary. Movies. I don't believe I had you. A couple of jump scares. We're even rewatching this for the third time. There's a scene where there's uh, one of them wakes up and there's something at the end of the bed that's like you know I don't think it's nail or the mom. But it's because it's got something weird about its head. But just that that quick you know jump cut you yeah. know, just got me like you know what like ah. it, yeah I'm kind of I'm kind of um, curious what other really good like haunting type movies, horror movies. There's are quite on. a few, but we're going to have to discuss that later. Cause Wait, no, this is no, the prime no, no, time to do no, it. No, because we're good. There are actual <laughs> things we're going to discuss uh, on the show, but what's so scary to me as a Hispanic and as a Catholic is that oh I have this false sense of security that my crucifix and my Catholic prayers and everything are going to protect me. And there was nothing in this film that would have, that any of those would have worked. Well, I don't think anybody in the film really harped on religion at all. Not at all. And that, and that's the thing is, even if it did, you still you can't use well you, Catholicism against you know, ghosts. I, I didn't, but I didn't even think about that. Now that you say that, you can't even use it against mental I, health, which is worse. Which <laughs> think about how weird that is. The whole movie's done off a of ghost, and they don't mention God or the Bible at Mm-mm. all. Yeah. How how do you make that disconnect? They don't even men- as far as I know, they don't even mention evil. But that's so weird that that you would that you would. Make a movie about ghosts, which is super rooted in religion, and yeah, not even yeah. mention anything around religion. You don't have to, you know. Religion is well, more... no, because now that you point it out, it actually it's missing a, a big component of that, in my opinion. I feel that, like I said, it made it scarier for me because that is my false security blanket that I have. That is like, oh, okay, well, if that happened. I could grab my cross, you know, and say a quick prayer, and it would be gone. That's not going to fucking happen. See, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Maybe, and if they did, I, I it's like I commend them for it. No, because now that I think about it, that that should have been in there. To religion, degree. yeah, I don't think it should. Have. It, no, I liked it without it. I know, but it would have made it more scarier. Why? Because someone reaches for it and it doesn't make a difference. And it, okay, that yes, would would yes, 
But I don't know. I, 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 like, like I said, I liked it the way it was. It was a five out of five for me. So, you know, four out of five for you guys. <laughs> I've seen your rating system. I'm not very impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not impressed with a lot of things. So <laughs> I think, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up for this discussion. What do you say, Reverend? I'd say so. You got any plugs for uh, Blue Collar BS you want to throw out there? Just nah. the usual. He keeps saying, no, shut up. Uh, every Friday night, 8 p.m., California time, figure it out. Google that shit. Pacific. <laughs> I know it's Pacific Stand. Pacific Standard Time. We used to all call popcorn back in the day. How, how is our show when you watch it? Is, Quit is, asking. That's This uh, is a different. No. No, I, I just want to know if you at least You asked him that last time. Hey, you asked me to talk about it and plug it. I, I at least want to get feedback <laughs> from somebody that listens. Uh, I was I was listening to it actually right before we we got on here to record this. Uh, I, I was dying laughing at you know especially some of the interactions between you and Urena there. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> during the talking about the the woman with her her uh, legs gave out, her knees gave out. The oh. whole discussion, <laughs> I, I was cracking me up. I'm the producer on that show. I don't know if you guys know. <laughs> oh, just pat yourself right on the back. I'm going to. Uh, so, yes, you can catch Blue Collar BS every Friday, uh, Pacific time, 8 p.m., California time. Like I said, Google that shit, figure it out. Uh, as for us, you can find us pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We also have YouTube videos. Nothing too impressive, but you're just going to get a nice little photo. When you guys do a video, Reverend's got to get a camera. Just get a cheap a ass setup. webcam. Yeah, he can. I mean, my cheap ass webcam was given to me, but it was like 100 bucks. Buy him one for Christmas. Merry Christmas, Reverend. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I don't know, Reverend. Did you even want to do camera? You mentioned you might, but I don't want to push something that. You yeah, know. But, you, but he can put a mask on, or he he can drop an image. So if you if you That's just true. if you go on yard yard stream or RS stream, you can set up a studio, and he can just either use the camera or he can drop a still image, and then you'd be on a camera and he'd be on an image. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Be fine with just being on there as is, but not right now because I mean, I, I literally, my I don't know. I kind of look like some kind of serial killer at the moment, but I guess perfect. Kind of Have you seen us? What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, what are you talking about? I'm party. Oh, yeah? I'm real party. You, on the other hand, I mean, you're not supposed to be pretty. It's, it's not called socially... classy. Oh, my God. It's refined. Refined um, looking. It'd be kind of cool if, like, uh, we could have, like, I mean, it's stupid. It's cheesy, but it'd be kind of cool if, like, if we could have a filter that was, like, a scary face that move like talked while we talked you know you can do that I, I, yeah i don't know how to do that so if we could figure that that'd be kind of cool reverend well you could actually drop yeah. a, if, if you run into the board you can drop a green screen behind you and put whatever live image act interacting behind yeah, you. yeah no i know how to do that i'm talking about like a filter that is a scary mask or a scary face that talks while we talk you would have to do it in post-production you could do it oh okay yeah maybe we'll look into that reverend yeah, <laughs> afterwards if you run through power director you can drop the image over you and it'll it'll it'll, it'll supplant it Wow, that'd be interesting. Like me, live video, and it'll do it. It won't be live. It would, it would have to be in post-production editing video. No, 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 no. I mean, I, yes, I know, but it will be like as if it were live. Yes. Huh. Oh, look at that. <laughs> so uh catches everywhere again we want to thank slovakia i think we've moved down a little bit i think we're closer to the 30s now and by the way it's not all together podcast. It is specifically movie review podcast that we have been toggling between 18 and 36 for the past several months. So uh, thank you, Slovakia, for listening to us. You're the best. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, I think that's it. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit.